0: Welcome to the Bridgeway Community Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. To learn more about Bridgeway, visit our website at bridgeway.cc. To watch this and all of our sermons, visit our YouTube channel and be sure to subscribe while you're there. For sermon notes, click the link in the description. Today, our founding and senior pastor, Dr. David Anderson, concludes his annual Old Testament character series called, I Saw Esau. In today's message, Dr. Anderson challenges us to fight for our breakthrough so that we can mature to a higher level of purpose. So sit back, relax, and enjoy today's sermon.
1: Hello, Bridgeway. We are concluding a series today I Saw Esau. We talked about his birthright, the blessing bitterness. And today we're going to talk about fighting for your breakthrough. Jacob wrestled with God. It says in a text in Genesis 32, he wrestled with an angel or a man. He was fighting for a heavenly blessing beyond the human blessing that he stole from his earthly father. And what I want to talk about today is how God might want to get you into a place where you're alone so that he can work with you to prepare you and to move you toward your destiny and your purpose. But I do wonder during this battle that Jacob had with God, if during that wrestling match, he actually saw Esau. That night when he was alone, Was he feeling the guilt having stolen the birthright and blessing from his brother? Did he keep seeing Esau in his mind's eye? If Jacob is going to be blessed this time, he's going to have to work for it earnestly and labor for it. He can't steal this blessing in the same way he stole the blessing before. This one he's going to have to struggle for. And I just want to say that I'm going to challenge you today to fight for your breakthrough so you can elevate to the next level of purpose that God has for you. Next week is our Vision Sunday where I'll give the theme for the year and I'll give you a vision for what we want to do and how you can get to work uh, with us in the ministry. So make sure you mark your calendars September 12th next week week. Our Columbia campus opens as well. We're going to have a tent in the parking lot. And so I want you to come ready, bring your family and your friends. We're going to kick it off next week, as well as right here at the Owens Mills Town campus at 1030. All right. In Columbia, it will be at noon. And of course, online, we'll see you at 8, 10 and 12. Let's bow for a word of prayer. And then we're going to get right into the message from Genesis 32. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we go into your word, we pray that your word would go into us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, in today's story, Jacob is now seeking this blessing, but we'll find that he is God's chosen vessel through which the Abrahamic blessing and the Abrahamic covenant would flow. The lineage goes from Abraham, Isaac, and then through Jacob, Joseph, so on and so forth. But you might wonder like me, pastor, if Jacob was a deceiver and a cheat, then why would God make Jacob uh, the man through which he would carry uh, the blessing of Abraham? Why not Esau? Esau was a forgiver. Esau was the one who was victimized, but yet he still turned turned around. So why would you choose Jacob? Good question. Here's the bottom line. God anoints and appoints who he wants and he works through flawed individuals for his divine purposes without human approval. God has his reasons and his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. But let's see how God worked with Jacob to get him on track from his deception to his destiny. In fact, there were three things that God had to get out of Jacob's way before he could elevate him to the next level of purpose that God had for him. And there may be some things that God has to get out of your way that's keeping you from the destiny that God has for you. God had to get Jacob alone. And when God and Jacob were alone, Jacob had to fight for his breakthrough. Before I go to the text, let me just say prophetically to some of you, you may be in a place where you feel like you are fighting with God. I'm not talking about fighting with the devil. I'm talking about actually struggling with God. And I want you to know that that's okay. God is preparing you for your destiny. He's sharpening you for your life's legacy. And my word to you today is to fight for your breakthrough. Fight For your breakthrough. Now is not the time for you to give up. This is the time to press in. This is the time to press on. This is your moment, and sometimes God has to get you alone to do His perfect work. Have you ever felt that in your life? Where it was just you and God, and you felt like you were wrestling with God to break through to the next level? Well, we're gonna find out in this text that Jacob had some things moved out of his way so that God could have Jacob to himself. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 32. We'll pick it up in verse 21. We're gonna read through verse 32, but I'm just gonna take you one verse at a time. Three things that God moved out of the way. Number one, the first thing God had to get out of Jacob's way was his gifts. The first thing God had to get out of Jacob's way was his gifts. Check out verse 21. Genesis 32, 21 says this. So Jacob's gifts went on ahead of him, but he himself spent the night in the camp. They were about to cross a ford, a, a, a riverbed and go to this other side. Now, Jacob had been sending gifts ahead because he knew that his, his brother Esau was coming. And so he would send all of his gifts ahead, hoping that this would somehow buy favor with Esau. He hadn't met with Esau yet. And you'll remember from last week, they had this meetup. This happens prior to the meetup and across the ford goes all the gifts, all of the, the bounty that Jacob had. And in verse 21, it says that the gifts went ahead of him, and then he spent the night in the camp. In other words, Jacob's gifts were gone. What do you do when you cannot rely on your giftedness to get you through anymore? Some of you are known for your gifts more than you're known for your character. It's easier to hide behind what you do and what we have than to rely on the character of who we are. No one wants to be exposed for their lack of character. So we put our gifts up front, out front, and people begin to relate to our gifts more than they relate to us. And we may be thinking that they're relating to us, but what they're really doing is they're relating to the gifts that we put forth. In fact, if you let them get to know you enough, they may actually reject you but still want to keep your gifts. I remember when I was younger in my early to mid-20s, I was invited to speak at this big conference. I was so excited because the preachers and the leaders at this conference were all big, heavy hitter, evangelical preachers, and I could not believe that I was going to be among them. If I were to say their names, many of you would know their names. You probably have read their books. And here I am in the green room backstage with them. They're eating and they're drinking. I was the only young minority person there. But I felt so honored just to be among these men of God. And then we would ride in a speaker van to the venue together. We'd be in the green room together. I mean, none none of these men while riding in the van, while hanging out, having coffee in the green room, not one of them spoke to me. Not one of them greeted me. They were all caught up in their own personalities and their connection with one another and they were so excited, I suppose, to be together That who is this slender, yes, I was younger and slender, black man who's just there. I feel like they believe that maybe I was just one of the kind of like waiters who is ready to serve them when they ask. Now, it didn't sour my spirit. I was just kind of concerned that, wow, this is is weird. You know, you guys are kind of like my heroes, Anyway, we are shuffled off to the conference, and we're in a room of 4,000 people, and I have the uh, the opportunity to give a seven-minute uh, set of remarks to the crowd, and so I do. My name is called. I stand up in this big podium in front of 4,000 people, and I do my thing. I don't remember what I said or how I said it, but what I do remember is when I was done in seven minutes, People raised to their feet with a standing ovation. We had the crowd, and they were wild as they stood as this young African-American man spoke to this large crowd. And guess what happened after the session was over? When we got back in the van, when we went backstage again, all of those men came to me. They wanted to talk to me. They befriended me. They gave me all kinds of verbal kudos and wanted to know where I was from and where my ministry was. We had great verbal exchanges. They treated me now like I mattered. I was no longer a waiter, I was a winner. Did you see what happened there, though? It was my gifts that made room for me, it wasn't that I got their attention. It was my gifts that got their attention. You know, people will meet and greet you because of your gifts and what you have to offer, maybe never really wanting to know you. We send our gifts ahead for acceptance. And Jacob sent all of his gifts, hoping to be accepted by his brother, who he had believed wanted to kill him. But what happens when your gifts are no longer accepted? What happens when your gifts are no longer enough? What happens when you're singing and you're dancing and you're teaching and you're preaching and your administrative skills and your technical skills, etc., no longer get you in the door? What happens when your gifts of beauty and your body begin to wane as you age? What happens when your gifts are just not enough anymore? Jacob's gifts were gone Guess what he was left with? Himself. Some of you are still hiding behind your gifts and your talents to be accepted. And what God is saying to you today is people may love you for your gifts, but I love you for who you are. And don't ever get it twisted. I gave you the gifts you have. And before I gave them to you, I loved you, and I still love you. And no matter what you can do, no matter how you perform, no matter how you look, I love you, and you matter to me. The first thing that God allowed to get out of the way of Jacob so he could spend alone time with him were his gifts. But the second thing that God had to get out of Jacob's way was his groups, his groups, his groups. We read verse 21, now let's move to 22. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives and his two maidservants and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of Jabbok. His groups of people, his family members, wives and all of his family were now gone. He sent them across the riverbed. As Jacob sent ahead all of his people groups, he sent the two most people, important people in his life, Leah and Rachel, his two wives. Or hang on, should I say Rachel and Leah? Or is it Leah and Rachel? You, you know the story, right? Remember Isaac, Jacob's father, told him not to marry a Canaanite woman but to go to the family of Laban and get uh, get a wife from from his, his family line and specifically Jacob went to the house of his uncle Laban and he laid eyes on this PYT. You know, <laughs> you know what a PYT is? Some of y'all don't know what it is. What's a PYT? A PYT is pretty young thing. You know what a pretty young thing is? It's all about Michael Jackson. Hit it. Remember this? And this part right here. Okay, we'll cut it off right there and get back to church. <laughs> Pretty young thing. PYT, you know what? I used to love me the King of Pops, Michael Jackson. I loved him when he was black and, and white. Anyway, let me just say to you, Jacob sees Rachel and he's like, whoa. He fell in love at first sight. So he says to Laban, can I marry you? He says, sure, but you got to work for me seven years. So seven years he works so he can marry Rachel. And so seven years goes by, and now it's time to marry Rachel. And what the father does is sort of dresses his, his other daughter, Leah, up. And they sort of have this ceremony where they go into the tent, and he spends the first night with whom he thinks is Rachel. And when he wakes up in the morning, he opens the tent and he lets the the daylight, he lets in the, the morning light and he's smiling from east to west. Then he opens his eyes and looks and finds out this is not Rachel. This is the sister, the older one, Leah. And he's saying to himself in my language, oh, snap, what just happened? Leah looks at him and smiles and says, good morning, stud muffin. So good to see you. Jacob runs out and he confronts the father, Laban. And Laban, the father basically admitted that he tricked Jacob because he needed to have his eldest daughter married off first before the younger one, Rachel. But he promised Jacob that he would give Rachel to him if he would just work for another seven years. And Jacob did. Wow. The trickster got tricked. Remember, Jacob was the youngest, but he tricked his older brother. Now, Jacob had to marry the oldest before he could get the youngest. God knows how to rectify matters, doesn't he? Jacob got what he deserved. The one who was the deceiver got deceived. The player got played. This is why we must leave vengeance to the Lord, because he knows how to rectify things. All things are made right by God and his timing. And we see that there are certain things that God moves out of the way so he can spend time with Jacob. One, his gifts, gone ahead of him. Two, his groups, the people around him, gone ahead of him. But there's a third and final thing. We find it in verse 23. The third thing that God had to get out of Jacob's way was his goods. Verse 23, after he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. His material possessions, all of his goods are now gone. His his gifts are gone. His groups of people are gone. Now all of his possessions are gone. You see, once everything is gone away, Jacob now is left with himself. You get the verse 24? So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. What happens when you're left alone? There's some work that can only be done when it's just you and God alone. Our friends cannot be with us. Our spouses cannot be with us. Our children cannot be with us. Our family members cannot be with us. It's just us alone with our own thoughts, our own demons, our own inner movies and memories. What happens when it's just you and the man? When it's just you and God? I wonder if this is the moment that Jacob saw Esau. Did he play the tapes in his head that he had been drowning out with all the groups and all the gifts and, and all the goods around him? He didn't have to think about it, but now all that has moved out of the way and he's left with himself, he's left with his memories, he's left with his tapes. Is this the time when he begins to see Esau, the very brother that he deceived, that now he's fearing he will be killed by in just a little while? Did he play the movie back in his mind? wondering why did I even swindle my my brother out of his birthright, out of his blessing. The shame and guilt weigh on him and now it's just him and God and he can't hide behind his possessions. He can't hide behind his relationships. He can't hide behind his gifts. All he has is his character and his God. There's no radio to turn on. There's no Netflix to turn on. He's quarantined all by himself. And no one's there but himself. You can run, but wherever you go, you're always there. Jacob now finds himself wrestling for his life. And he's wrestling now with an angel. A man, as the text says, he seems to discover that this battle is not just with any man, but it's the man of God. The text uses the word angel. Angel means messenger. So this may be a representative of God, but it's still, it's still God, whether it's an angel, whether it's what some people think is the pre-incarnate Christ. What do you do when you realize that this is God? whether a man, whether an angel, whether a representative, whether the pre-incarnate Christ, he is now wrestling and he realizes it's God because in verse 30, he actually recognizes it and he says he saw the face of God. In Hosea chapter 12, it actually identifies this man as God as well in this wrestling match. This is what it says in verses three through five. In the womb, he grasped his brother's heel. As a man, he struggled with God. Verse 4, he struggled with the angel and overcame him. He wept and begged for his favor. He found him at Bethel and talked with him there. Verse 5, the Lord God Almighty, the Lord is his name of renown. Have you ever wrestled with, struggled with God? By the way, what are you and God talking about these days? What are you and God battling over, honestly, these days. Check out verse 25. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched and he wrestled with the man. Verse 26, then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go until you bless me. Jacob fought for his blessing. Jacob had some fight left in him. And Jacob knew that this battle was for his destiny. He knew that this was for his future, for his family, for his legacy. This was no ordinary battle, this was no mere dream. This was a tournament that would turn him toward his purpose. And you get the verse 27. It says, the man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Verse 28, then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. Verse 29, Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. In other words, my name is not important right now, the man is saying, but your new name is. In order to get you onto your purpose, you need a new name change. Because when I change your name, it means I'm now, I'm now pointing you towards your purpose. I'm now going to shift your character toward where you've always needed to be. Jacob's name was changed to Israel, which means contender, wrestler, fighter of God, or triumphant of God. In other words, God wants us to have the victory and God wanted Jacob not to be stuck in his deceitful character, but to move toward the destiny of one who is triumphant over all things so that he could carry on the Abrahamic covenant and blessing throughout generations until we get to Jesus. God wanted him to have the victory and God wants you to have the victory. God wants you to be triumphant in him. And watch this. Listen to me. Jacob's name was changed, listen, before he met Esau. Remember, he hadn't met Esau yet. Now, all those things go ahead of him. He's left alone. He wrestles with the angel, with the man, with God. Then God blesses him, changes his name, and he hadn't met Esau yet, the one who was going to kill him. Remember last week I preached that Jacob was fearful and when Esau met up with him, he thought he was gonna kill him and his entire family. But we know that Esau forgave him, hugged him and kissed him, remember that? Well, friends, listen to this. The reason why Esau didn't kill Jacob was because he was no longer Jacob. He was now Israel, a shift had happened. A conversion had happened. He had moved from being in the path of a deceiver to a path of his destiny. So when Esau met Jacob, he may have thought he was meeting Jacob. He may have been forgiving of Jacob, but the reality is Jacob had been changed from Jacob to Israel. He had been changed from a deceiver to now a fighter and a triumphant man for God. And so Jacob was standing in his purpose. Listen to me, your purpose will protect you. Your purpose will protect you. Even though Jacob deserved wrath, he received forgiveness because of his purpose. And when God called you, when God chose you, you no longer get what you deserve. You get what your anointing requires. And Jacob's new name was now his new anointing. His new name was now his new authority. His new name was now his new assignment. And you are totally immortal until God has fulfilled his purpose in you, which no man can thwart. And even though he deserved to be killed, he got what his anointing required, not what his actions required. We serve a God that is in the name-changing business. He's changing your name, not from what you are, but to who you will be. You were this, Now you are this. That's what God does. He changes and he converts us, taking us from an Abram to an Abraham, from a Simon to a Peter, from a sinner to a saint, from lost to found, from dead to alive, from blind to now you see. Once God meets you and you have an encounter with him, he will change you from who you were to who you will become. He meets you right where you are, but like Max Lucado says, he loves you too much to leave you that way. God doesn't just relate to who you are now. He sees the whole picture, and he relates to who he knows you will become. Right now, you may be broken, but God sees you as whole. Right now, you may be sick, but God sees you as healed. Right now, you may be fearful, but God sees you as courageous. Right now, Jacob, you're a trickster, but God sees you as triumphant, and that's what your new name means. You get to verse 30, so Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel and was limping because of his hip. Can I tell you something? It's better to walk with a limp and have purpose than to walk meaninglessly without a limp. God dislocated Jacob's hip as a permanent reminder of his need to depend on him. Just like Paul had his thorn in the flesh as a permanent tattoo of God's grace, Jacob has his own tattoo of grace, a dislocated hip. That's right. The former trickster now has a trick hip. He would limp for the rest of his life. And the final verse, verse 32, therefore to this day, Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. And it's there, right there, folks, that we realize he wasn't black. Why? Because black folk eat everything. We eat the tendon, we eat the gristle, we eat the bone. And some of my African brothers and sisters eat the entire bone. That's how you know right there. (laughs) What have we learned so far? We've learned that there are things that God will move out of your way just to deal with you at a deeper level. I didn't say he moves them out of your life, but he may move them out of your way for a time. His gifts, his groups of people, his goods. Listen, I didn't come here today to tell you you've got to get rid of all these things in your life, but I am saying to you that God wants to be, listen, first. First above your gifts. First, above your groups. First, above your goods. God gave all three of these back to Jacob after he crossed over to the other side. But he crossed over a different man and left the old one behind. And God wants you to put him first. He wants you to be in line with his purpose for you. And in order to do this, you've got to to put him first. This means that you've got to fight for what is first. We heard in the chorus today, when I fight, I'll fight on my knees. If you are for me, who can be against me? When all I see is the ashes, you see beauty. When all I see is the cross, you see the empty tomb. God put us first. Now he's asking you to put him first. Your breakthrough is right in front of you, but put God first and you too, like Jacob, will see the daylight. You will see the face of God in your circumstances when you put him first. And remember, your purpose will protect you, but you have to first come in line with God's purpose for you. And this begins with salvation. God said back in Exodus 20, he said in verse 3, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And if you want to come into a relationship with God, then turn to him and reject all others. Make a decision to put him first. And when you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, everything else will fall in order and fall into place. Bow with me for a closing word of prayer. And if you've never invited Jesus Christ into your life to be your Lord and Savior, This is the time where you can repeat after me and say this prayer. Say, Dear Jesus, I want to be on purpose with you. Dear Jesus, I want to live my life putting you first. Dear Jesus, forgive me for the other gods in my life. Forgive me for my selfishness. Forgive me for all of my sins. In this moment today, go ahead and say it. In this moment today, I invite you into my life to be my savior, my forgiver, my friend. Thank you for dying on the cross for me and rising again from the dead. And now, Lord, I want to come to life for you and put you first. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. And thank you that in this prayer, I can fight for my breakthrough. And thank you I receive the new name you give me as a follower of Jesus Christ. Amen. And amen.
0: Thanks for listening to the Bridgeway Community Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. To learn more about Bridgeway, visit our website at bridgeway.cc. To watch this and all of our sermons, visit our YouTube page and make sure you subscribe while you're there. To download sermon notes, just click the link in the description. Thanks again for listening and have a great week.